Chapter Second, Part Two of Elsie Dinsmore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Elsie Dinsmore by Martha Finley. Chapter Second, Part Two. It was still early when they returned, and finding that she had nearly an hour to dispose of before tea time, Elsie thought she would finish a drawing which she had left in her desk in the schoolroom. While searching for it in her pencil, she heard Laura and Arthur's voice on the veranda. She did not notice what they were saying until her own name struck her ear. "'Elsie's the only person,' Laura was saying, "'who can and probably will help you, for she has plenty of money, and she is so kind and generous. But if I were you, I should be ashamed to ask for her after the way you acted toward her.' "'I wish I hadn't teased her so yesterday,' replied Arthur disconsolately. "'But it's such fun, I can't help it sometimes.' "'Well, I know I wouldn't ask a favor of anybody I'd treated so,' said Laura, walking away. Elsie sat still a few moments, working at her drawing and wondering all the time what it was Arthur wanted, and thinking how glad she would be of an opportunity of returning him for good for evil. She did not like it, though, to seek his confidence, but presently hearing him heave a deep sigh, she rose and went out on the veranda. He was leaning on the railing in an attitude of dejection, his head bent down and his eyes fixed on the floor. She went up to him and, laying her hand softly on his shoulder, said in a sweet, gentle tone natural to her, what ails you arthur can i do anything for you i'll be very glad if i can no yes he answered hesitatingly i i wouldn't like to ask you after after oh never mind said elsie quickly i do not care anything about that now i had the ride to-day and that was better still because i went with aunt adelaide and miss allison tell me what you want thus encouraged arthur replied i saw a beautiful little ship yesterday when i was in the city it was only five dollars and i've sent my heart on having it but my pocket money's all gone and papa won't give me a cent until next month's allowance is due and by that time the ship will be gone for it's such a beauty somebody will be sure to buy it won't your mamma buy it for you asked elsie no she says she hasn't money to spare just now you know it's near the end of the month and they spent all their allowances except louise and she says she'll not lend her money to such a spendthrift as i am elsie drew out her purse and seemed just about to put it in his hand but apparently changing her mind she hesitated a moment and then returning to her pocket said with a half smile i don't know arthur five dollars is a good deal for a little girl like me to lay out i must think of it a little i don't ask you to give it he replied scornfully i'll pay it back in two weeks well i will see by tomorrow morning she said darting away while he sent an angry glance after her muttering the word stingy between his teeth elsie ran down to the kitchen and asking one and another of the servants as she passed where's pompey the last time she put the question to phoebe the cook but was answered by pompey himself here am pomp miss elsie what does little missy want with dis child are you going to the city tonight, pompey yes miss elsie i's got some errands to do for missus and family in general and i've been going to start about ten minutes little missy wants something may elsie motioned to him to come close to her and then putting her purse in his hand she told him in a whisper of arthur's wish and directed him to purchase the coveted toy and bring it to her if possible without letting any one else know anything about it and keep half a dollar for yourself pompey to pay you for your trouble she added in conclusion thank you little missy he replied with a broad grin of satisfaction that be very good pay and pomp em demand to do dis business up for you bout right 
the tea-bell rang and elsie hastened away to answer the summons she looked across the table at arthur with a pleasant smile on her countenance but he averted his eyes with an angry scowl and with a slight sigh he turned away her head and did not look at him again during the meal pompey executed his commission faithfully and when elsie returned to her own room after evening hour with miss rose chloe pointed out a little ship standing on the mantel oh it's a little beauty cried elsie clapping her hands and dancing up and down with delight oh arthur will be pleased now mammy can you take it to the schoolroom and put it on master arthur's desk without anybody seeing you oh chloe try darling she said and taking it in her hands oh wait one moment exclaimed elsie and taking a card she wrote on it a present to arthur from his niece elsie then laying it on the deck of the little vessel there mammy she said i think that'll do but please look out first to see whether it was in the hall coast is all clear darlin', replied chloe after a careful survey all de children am in the bed before dis time i speck and taking a candle in one hand and the little ship in the other she started for the schoolroom she soon returned with a broad grin of satisfaction on her black face saying all right darlin', i put him on massa arthur's desk and nobody's de wiser so elsie went to bed very happy in the thought of the pleasure arthur would be in receiving his present she was hurrying down to the breakfast-room the next morning a little in advance of miss rose who had stopped to speak to adelaide when arthur came running up behind her having just come in by a side door from the garden and seizing her round the waist he said thank you elsie you are a good girl she sails beautifully i've been trying her on the pond but it mustn't be a present you must let me pay you back when i get my allowance oh no arthur that would spoil it all she said quickly you are entirely welcome and you know my allowance is so large that half the time i have more money than i know how to spend i should like to see the time that that would come to case with me said he laughing then in a lower tone elsie i'm sorry i teased you so i'll not do it again elsie answered him with a grateful look as she stepped past him and quietly took her place at the table arthur kept his word and for many weeks entirely refrained from teasing elsie and while freed from that annoyance she always was able to have her task thoroughly prepared and though her governess was often unreasonable and exacting and there was scarcely a day in which she was not called upon to yield her wishes or displeasures or in some way inconvenience herself to please walter or anna or occasionally the older members of the family yet it was unusually happy winter for her for rose allison's love of uniform kindness shed sunshine on her path she had already learned to yield readily to others and when fretted or saddened by unjust or unkind treatment a few moments alone with her precious bible and her love saviour made all right again and she would come from those sweet communings looking as serenely and happy as if she had never known an annoyance she was a wonder to all the family her grandfather would sometimes look at her as without a frown or pout she give up her own wishes to enna and shaking his head say she's no dinsmore or she would know how to stand up for her own rights better than that i don't like such a tame-spirited people she's not horse's child it never was an easy matter to impose upon or conquer him he was a boy of spirit what a strange child elsie is adelaide remarked to her friend one day i'm often surprised to see how sweetly she gives up to all of us really she has a lovely temper i quite envy her it was always hard for me to give up my own way i do not believe it was easy for her at first said rose i think her sweet disposition is the fruit of a work of grace in her heart it is the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which god only can bestow i wish i had it then said adelaide sighing oh you only have to go to the right source to obtain it dear adelaide replied her friend gently and yet said adelaide i must sometimes think that as papa says there is something mean-spirited and cowardly in always giving up to other people 
it would indeed be cowardly and wrong to give up principle replied rose but surely it is noble and generous to give up our own wishes to another where no principle is involved certainly you are right said adelaide musingly and now i recollect that readily as elsie gives up her own wishes to others in ordinary occasions i have never known her to sacrifice principle but on the contrary she has several times made mamma aggressively angry by refusing to romp and play with enna on the sabbath or to deceive papa when questioned with regard with some of arthur's misdeeds yet she has often borne the blame of his faults when she might have escaped by telling him elsie is certainly very different from any of the rest of us and if it is piety that makes her what she is i think piety is a very lovely thing elsie's mornings were spent in the schoolroom in the afternoon she walked or rode out sometimes in company with her young aunts and uncles and sometimes alone a negro boy falling at a respectable distance as a protector in the evenings there was almost always a company in the parlor and she found it pleasanter to sit beside the bright wood fire in her own room with her fond old nurse for a companion than to stay there or with the younger ones in the sitting-room or nursery if she had no lesson to learn she usually read out loud to chloe as she sat knitting by the fire and the bible was the book generally preferred by both and then when she grew weary of reading she would often take a stool and sit down close to chloe put her head in her lap saying now mammy tell me about mamma and for the hundredth time or more the old woman would go over the story of the life and death of her dear young missus as she always called her telling her of her beauty her goodness and of her sorrows and sufferings in the last year of her short life it was a story which never lost its charm for elsie a story which one never wearied of telling nor other of hearing elsie would sit listening with her mother's miniature in her hand gazing at it with tearful eyes and then press it to her lips murmuring my own mamma poor dear mamma and when chloe had finished her story she would usually say now mammy tell me about papa but upon this subject chloe had very little information to give she only knew him as a gay handsome young stranger whom she had seen occasionally during a few months and who had stolen all the sunshine from her beloved mistress's life and left her to die alone yet she did not blame him when speaking to his child for the young wife had told her that he had not forsaken her of his own free choice and though she could not quite banish from her own mind the idea that he had not been altogether innocent in the matter she breathed no hint of it to elsie for chloe was a sensible woman and knew that to lead the little one to think ill of her only remaining parent would but tend to make her unhappy sometimes elsie would ask very earnestly do you think papa loves jesus mammy and chloe would reply with a doubtful shake of her head dunno darling but old chloe prays for him every day and so do i elsie would answer dear dear papa how i wish he would come home and so the winter glided away and spring came and miss allison must soon return home it was now the last day of march and her departure had been fixed for the second of april for a number of weeks elsie had been engaged during all her spare moments in knitting a purse for rose wishing to give her something which was the work of her own hands knowing that as such it would be more prized by her friend than a costlier gift she had just returned from her afternoon ride and taking out her work she sat down to finish it she was in her own room with no companion but chloe who sat beside her knitting as usual elsie worked on silently for some time then suddenly holding up her purse she exclaimed see mammy it is all done but putting on the tassel isn't it pretty and won't dear miss allison be pleased with it it really was very pretty indeed of crimson and gold and beautiful knit and chloe looking at it with admiring eyes said i specs she will darling i tink it is very handsome at this moment enna opened the door and came in 
Elsie hastily attempted to conceal the purse by thrusting it into her pocket, but it was too late, for Enna had seen it, and running toward her cried out, "'Now, Elsie, just give that to me.' "'No, Enna,' replied Elsie mildly, "'I cannot let you have it, because it's for Miss Rose.' "'I will have it!' exclaimed the child resolutely, "'and if you don't give it to me at once, I shall just go and tell Mamma. "'I will let you take it in your hand a few moments and look at it, "'if you'll be careful not to soil it, Anna,' said Elsie in the same gentle tone. "'And if you wish, I will get some more silk and beads and make you one just like it, "'but I cannot give you this because I would not have time to make another for Miss Rose.' "'No, I shall have that one, and I shall have it to keep,' said Anna, "'attempting to snatch it out of Elsie's hand.' But Elsie held it up out of her reach, and trying several times in vain to get it, Enna uh, left the room, crying and screaming with passion. Chloe locked the door, saying, "'Great pity, darling. We forgot to do that for Miss Enna came. I was afraid she's going bring up Missus for make you give em up.' Elsie sat down her work again, but she was very pale, and her little hands trembled with agitation, and her soft eyes were full of tears." Close fears were too well founded, for the next moment hastily steps were heard in the passage, and the handle of the door was laid hold of with no very gentle grasp, and then as a refute to yield to her touch, Miss Dinsmore's voice was heard in an angry tone giving the command, "'Open this door instantly!' Chloe looked at her young mistress. "'You'll have to,' said Elsie cheerfully, slipping her work into her pocket again, and lifting up her heart in prayer for patience and meekness, for she knew she would have need of both.' Miss Dinsmore entered, leading the sobbing Enna by her hand. Her face was flushed with passion, and addressing Elsie in tones of violent anger, she asked, "'What is the meaning of all this? You good-for-nothing hussy! Why are you always tormenting this poor child? Where is that paltry trifle that this all fuss is about? Let me see it this instant!' Elsie drew the purse from her pocket, saying in tearful, trembling tones, "'It's the purse I was making for Miss Rose, ma'am, and I offered to make another just like it for Enna, but I cannot give her this one, because there would not be time to make another before Miss Rose goes away.' "'You cannot give it to her, indeed. You will not, you mean. But I say you shall, and I'll see if I'm not mistress in my own house. Give it to the child this instant. I'll not have her crying her eyes out that you may be humored in all your whims. There are plenty of handsomer ones to be had in the city, and if you're too mean to make her a present of it, I'll buy you another to-morrow.' "'But that would not be my work, and this is,' replied Elsie, still retaining the purse, loath to let it go. "'Nonsense! What different will it make to Miss Rose?' said Miss Dinsmore, and snatching it out of her hand, gave it to Enna, saying, "'There, my pet, you shall have it. Elsie is a naughty, mean, stingy girl, but she shan't play to you while your mamma's about.' Enna cast a look of triumph at Elsie and ran off with her prize, followed by her mother, while poor Elsie hid her face in Chloe's lap and cried bitterly. It required all Chloe's religion to keep down her anger and indignation at this unjust and cruel treatment of her darling, and for a few moments she allowed her to sob and cry without a word, only soothing her with mute caresses, not daring to trust her voice, lest her anger should find vent in words. But at length, when her feelings had grown somewhat calmer, she said soothingly, "'Never mind it, my poor darling child. Just go to the city and buy the prettiest purse you can find for Miss Rose.' But Elsie shook her head sadly. "'I wanted it to be my own work,' she sobbed, "'and now there's no time.' "'Oh, I'll tell you what, my pet,' exclaimed Chloe suddenly. "'There's the purse you was knittin' for your papa, "'and they wouldn't send it for you. "'You can get dat done for the lady "'and knit another for your papa afore he comes home.' Elsie raised her head with a look of relief, but her face clouded again as she replied, "'But it is not quite done, "'and I haven't the beads to finish it with, "'and Miss Rose goes day after to-morrow.' 
"'Never mind that, darlin,' said Chloe, jumping up. "'Pomp, he'd been gwine to the city dis very afternoon, "'and we'll tell him to buy de beads, "'and then you can get de purse finished for to-morrow night, "'and de lady won't go till de day next. "'And so it gwine to be all right.' "'Oh, yes, that will do. "'Dear old mammy, I'm so glad you thought of it,' said Elsie joyfully. "'In rising, she went to her bureau and unlocking drawer, took from it a bead purse of blue and gold, quite as handsome as the one of which she had been so ruthlessly despoiled, and rolling up in a piece of paper, she handed it to Chloe, saying, "'There, Mammy, please give it to Pomp, and tell him to match the beads in the silk exactly.' Chloe hastened in search of Pomp, but when she found him, he insisted that he should not have time to attend to Mrs. Elsie's commission and do his other errands, and Chloe, knowing that he in common was, with all the other servants, was very fond of the little girl, felt satisfied that it was not merely an excuse, therefore did not urge her request. She stood a moment in great perplexity, then suddenly exclaimed, "'I'll go myself. Miss Elsie will spare me, and I'll go right along wid you, Pomp.' Chloe was entirely Elsie's servant, having no other business than to wait upon her and take care of her clothing in her room, and the little girl, of course, readily gave her permission to accompany Pomp and do the errand. But it was quite late ere Chloe returned, and the little girl spent the evening alone in her own room. She was sadly disappointed that she could not even have her hour with Miss Rose, who was detained in the parlor with company whom she could not leave, and so the evening seemed very long and wore away very slowly. But at last Chloe came, and in answer to her eager inquiries, displayed her purchase with great satisfaction, saying, "'Yes, darlin', I's got de very tings you wanted.' "'Oh, yes,' said Elsie, examining them with delight. "'They are just right, and now I can finish in a couple of hours.' "'Time to get ready for bed now, ain't it, pet?' asked Chloe. But before the little girl had time to answer, a servant knocked at the door, and handing in a note for her it was from Miss Allison, and hastily tearing it open, she read, "'Dear Elsie, I am very sorry that we cannot have our reading together this evening, but be sure, darling, to come to me early in the morning. It will be our last opportunity, for, dear child, I have another disappointment for you. I had not expected to leave before a day after tomorrow, but I have learned this evening that the vessel sails a day sooner than I had supposed, and therefore I shall be obliged to start on my journey tomorrow.' Your friend rose. Elsie dropped the note on the floor and burst into tears. What de matter, darling? asked Chloe anxiously. Oh, Miss Rose, dear, dear Miss Rose is going tomorrow, she sobbed. Then hastily drying her tears, she said, But I have no time for crying. I must sit up and finish the purse tonight, because there will be no time tomorrow. It was long past her usual hour for retiring, when at last her task, or rather her labor of love, was completed. Yet she was up bedtimes, and at the usual hour her gentle rap, was heard at Mrs. Allison's door. Rose clasped her arms and kissed her tenderly. "'Oh, Miss Rose, dear, dear Miss Rose, what shall I do without you?' sobbed the little girl. "'I shall have nobody to love me but Mammy.' "'You'll have another and better friend, dear Elsie, who has said, "'I will never leave thee nor forsake thee,' whispered Rose, with another tender caress. "'Yes,' said Elsie, wiping away her tears. "'And he is your friend, too. "'And don't you think, Miss Rose, he will bring us together again some day?' "'I hope so indeed, darling. We must keep very close to him, dear Elsie. We must often commune with him in secret, often study his word, and try always to do his will. Ah, dear child, if we could only have the assurance that the dear friend is with us, that we have his presence and his love, we shall be supremely happy, though separated from all earthly friends. I know, dear little one, that you have peculiar trials, and that you often feel the want of sympathy and love, but you may always find them in Jesus, and now we will have our reading and prayer as usual.' She took the little girl on her lap, and opening the Bible, read aloud from the fourteenth chapter of John, a part of that touching farewell of our Savior to his sorrowing disciples. And then they knelt to pray. Elsie was only a listener, for her little heart was too full to allow her to be anything more. 
"'My poor darling,' Rose said again, taking her in her arms. "'We will hope to meet again before very long. "'Who knows, but your papa may come home "'and some day bring you to see me. "'It seems not unlikely, as he's so fond of travelling.' "'Elsie looked up, smiling, through her tears. "'Oh, how delightful that would be,' she said. "'But it seems as though my papa would never come,' "'she added, with a deep-draw sigh. "'Well, darling, we can hope,' Rose answered cheerfully. "'And, dear child, though we must be separated in body for a time, "'we can still meet in spirit at the mercy seat.' "'Shall we not do this at this hour every morning?' Elsie gave a joyful assent. "'And I shall write to you, darling,' Rose said. "'I will write on my journey, if I can, "'so that you will get the letter in a week from the time I leave, "'and then you must write to me, will you?' "'If you won't care for the mistakes, Miss Rose, "'but you know I am a very little girl, "'and I wouldn't like to let Miss Day read my letter to you and correct it, "'but I shall be very glad to get yours. "'I never had a letter in my life.' "'I shan't care for mistakes at all, dear, "'and no one shall see your letters but myself,' said Rose, kissing her. "'I should be as sorry as you to have Miss Day look at them.' "'Elsie drew out the purse and put it in her friend's hand, saying, "'It's all my own work, dear Miss Rose. "'I thought you would value it more for that.' "'And indeed I shall, darling,' replied Rose, "'with tears and pleasure of her eyes. "'It is beautiful in itself, but I shall value it ten times more "'because it is your gift and the work of your own dear little hands.' But the breakfast bell now summoned them to join the rest of the family, and in a few moments after they left the table, the carriage which was to take Rose to the city was at the door. Rose had endeared herself to all, old and young, and they were loath to part with her. One after another bade her an affectionate farewell. Elsie was the last. Rose pressed her tenderly to her bosom and kissed her again and again, saying in a voice half-choked with grief, "'God bless and keep you, my poor little darling, my dear, dear little Elsie.' Elsie could not speak, and the moment the carriage had rolled away with her friend, she went to her own room, and locking herself in, cried long and bitterly. She had learned to love Rose very dearly, and to lean upon her very much, and now the parting from her, with no certainty of ever meeting her again in this world, was the severest trial the poor child had ever known. End of chapter 2nd, part 2